Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome back to Thread, episode 120. Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Thread is a podcast for believers who want to increase the level of impact that their lives have on other people. So whether you're seeking to have influence in your family, at work, in school, or as a leader of a ministry or a nonprofit, Thread is for you. It's a verse-by-verse Bible study, and my goal is to set before you a solid meal of God's Word so you'll have the strength to journey deeper into your calling to be an agent of change in your generation. I think you're going to love this topic. Today's thread is about leaving a ministry or a circle of friends or something you've been closely connected to. And you may have even been in the group that founded this thing. But, you know, seasons shift and we evolve and God calls us to new endeavors for Him. So these are some good reasons to leave a ministry, but there's a proper way to do it. I've witnessed the wounds that were created by the manner in which a person's departure from the circle has been handled, um, either by themselves or by the group's subsequent leaders. Now, here's some examples. You know, I've seen situations of abrupt firings when in the middle of the day someone is just gone. And it wasn't, it wasn't because you know, they were caught stealing or something. It was just an immediate okay, you're done, just get your stuff and leave. And no closure of any kind. I've seen other people leave groups literally sneaking away in the night, packing their stuff in the car in the darkness and then putting the kids in the back seat and then just driving off and they're not there the next day. I've seen people leave group and then undermine the group they've been so much a part of and undermine the new leaders of this group You know, as you leave it. I've seen people leave groups and try to take people with them when they leave the group. And I've seen people stay in a group when really they left it in their heart and they become a downward drag on this group that used to be so meaningful to them. The point is, sometimes we need to leave. Sometimes we need to leave even to preserve peace. But there's a proper way to do it. And if you do it well... The doors to friendship remain wide open. Everybody is so excited uh, to see you come back, and you never really lose your connection with them. It stays sweet. And the group or the ministry is not hurt by your departure. I'm just so amazed at the Bible. It has everything in it. And the book of Acts is a practical guide to the many situations we find ourselves in as members of the Lord's church. So let's look at Acts 19 verses 21 through 40, and the story we find there is actually so big, it's going to take two episodes of Thread to talk about it, but it's going to be worth it. Okay, let me give you some backstory. Paul has been moving across Asia for many years, preaching the story of Jesus. Now, keep in mind, there weren't any Bibles yet. I mean, we had Hebrew scrolls of the Old Testament books, but they were in Jews-only synagogues, and every synagogue didn't have all the books. They just had what they could have. But there was no written book. At this time, there was no written book about Jesus. There was no uh, you know, widely agreed on, spread abroad record of even the teachings of Jesus. And this went on for 
maybe 50 years or more. It had to be told by eyewitnesses. It had to be told by people who knew Jesus and later by people who knew those people. So this was Paul's calling in life. You know, when he came to Ephesus in what is today Turkey, he found at first a warm reception in the local Jewish synagogue. They were so excited about the things he told them, and so they let him speak. Twelve weekends in a row he got to be the speaker, and he spoke to them from the Jewish scriptures about Jesus the Messiah, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And he spoke about the foundation of, of who Jesus is and what he had done and what he taught under the kingdom of God teaching. He showed them that this is all grounded. It grows out of the Old Testament writings that they have and uh, pour over every week uh, in their synagogue services. But then he started getting pushback because within this group and within every group, there were traditionalists in the synagogue and an antichrist spirit started to develop, antichrist, anti-Paul. And Paul didn't want to harden these people any further. They had heard everything that he said up to a certain point, and then their traditional hearts started to shut down, and they got hard, and he didn't want to make it worse because you, know, you don't help people come closer to God when you start arguing, and it's them versus you because they're not listening anymore. Now they're just hardening down, and he doesn't want them getting any, any harder. So Paul withdraws. He withdraws from the synagogue, and he goes to a notable school in, in the city, and he obtains a classroom for himself where he preaches and teaches and dialogues and you know open Socratic method, talking people talk back to you. They tell you their problems with what you're saying. They ask their questions. You know, this flow, and he did it every single day for two full years. And maybe this is our first lesson that we run on in this situation, and that is that focused, pioneering people can accomplish much in only two years. They say that most of our life-changing impact on another person really happens in the first three years of our relationship with them anyway. And so Paul has come to a town where he didn't have a single friend, and now he has accomplished so much. People have come from all over the region, all over the province of Asia to hear him speak, to dialogue with him, to discuss this Jesus thing with him, to discuss what Christ's teachings even were, what they meant, to discuss understanding what this kingdom of God doctrine is all about. And so Paul has had two years every single day engaging uh, Gentile people from all across Asia Minor who have come to hear what he had to say about Jesus. And then God showed up. It's not just words. Paul says the gospel is not just words. It is power. And so God shows up as the scripture says he will. And first he shows up with miracles. Amazing miracles are going on. But after a while, miracles are so common in Paul's classroom and wherever Paul and the New Testament churches are being planted, you know, there's a, a, a network of house churches spring up because of this. And they're, they're praying and they're worshiping and they're seeking God and they're also chewing over, you know, the words that Paul tells him that Jesus said. 
And uh, so they're starting to have miracles, you know, all across the place. And then when miracles become normal, then the scripture says unusual miracles start to happen to the point that Paul could just touch a cloth and send it with travelers who would go home into their lands and lay it on people and heal them with that cloth. And that was like unheard of. Others who weren't even connected to Paul or the Christian group started using the phrase in the name of Jesus when they prayed for people and demons actually left. Well, they left generally until one demon replied to seven exorcists who had said, in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demon answered back, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the demonized man, the demons in the man rose up, and the man beat up these seven guys, and they ran away naked from the scene. And the message spread that two things. The name of Jesus has great power over dark spirits, but that, number two, you have to actually know him for yourself. So everything is going wonderfully. And if you read Acts chapter 19... It's just such an exciting, successful, I mean, this is every missionary's dream uh, for two reasons. You know, one is uh, you want God to do these things. And two, you work so hard in life, and a lot of times you don't get much fruit, and then sometimes you have pretty good fruit, and then every now and then you have amazing fruit, and it makes you feel great. It validates you for what you've done in your, in your ministry, and you love to share those stories of success because you want to encourage people and you want them also to feel good about what you're doing. So this is just success on every, you know, everywhere you turn, everything is going wonderfully. And you fully expect Paul to stay for 20 years in Ephesus. I mean, why would you leave? Look at what you're accomplishing, how successful Paul has become. And just when you think you know what God is doing in someone's life, and where he is leading the situation, all of a sudden, everything changes. Have you ever noticed a day when a season shifts? Like maybe it's the first cold blast of wind, or the first drop of rain, or a hot, muggy day in Portland after a blustery, chilly spring. A time you might call a portent. I love that word. You know, it's like it's a little thing that nobody would notice. It's so discreet, but it is the harbinger is another great word. It is the forerunner. It is the first hint at something really big that's about to happen in the story. So there's a portent. It's as though Paul can sense something. He has this experience. He feels God's wind right in the middle of all his success. He feels God's wind shifting ever so slightly, and nobody notices it but him, but he feels it, and his heart begins to wander away from this amazing work that he's doing, this big, successful work. It's kind of like he's in a crowd, and he hears the faintest sound of someone deep in the crowd calling his name, but he can't be sure, and he can't see where it's coming from. But it, it stops him. It stops him in his tracks, and he starts to think about it. Let's look at three things right now, just about that. First of all, we need, to, we need Paul's willingness 
to walk away and leave visible success, security, and status on a moment's notice. I mean, Paul's a rock star as far as ministry goes. As you read this record, you'll see influential politicians are his friends. He's known. Every time he ventures into the city streets, people are pointing, talking about him. They come up to him. They ask him for prayer. You know, he's the spokesman for God in a large metropolitan area. He has spoken more than 700 times in two years. He's spoken to thousands and thousands of people from every walk of life in Ephesus. And Paul is willing in a moment to leave all that and walk away from it. And I think that's just worth pondering all by itself. I mean, would you leave your success? Sure, we'll all leave when we're in trouble because we want to get away from the trouble, but would you leave the biggest thing you've ever done in your life? This is his life's largest accomplishment from a human scale, and uh, Paul is so ready to just walk away from it, and I just think that's amazing. Second thing I want us to see from this story already is that we need to recognize how much our experiences in life and ministry change us. As much as Paul has changed Ephesus, Ephesus has also changed Paul. He's experienced over 700 days in a row of winning. He has experienced victory. And this is the kind of harvest that he has always hoped for. He had imagined having success at reaching Gentile people, and now he's had it. He has seen God's endorsement on his life and on his ministry in the form of amazing miracles. I mean, if you look at the earlier ministry of Paul, he never gets started before he has to leave. He gets, you know, a week in a place and he gets run out. He goes straight to making fire everywhere he goes. You know, he comes in blazing, chopping at the trees, John the Baptist kind of style, and it blows up so fast. And he plants a little church and he gets out of there. And now he's found a place where he's not so much doing that. He's giving himself to doctrine. He's giving himself to deeper uh, leadership formation in others. He's raising up dozens and dozens of second-level leaders, and he's, he's learning how to do this. He's learning how to blend supernatural activity, knowing that God will show up, plus sound teaching, strong doctrine, solid Bible study, plus strong pastoral care of the people. He's learning how you nurture people in their faith and how you help them learn to walk out what we believe about Jesus. He has seen a whole city shaken. He has seen the roots of evil ripped up and, you know, as people came out and burned what would be today millions of dollars of occult books in the middle of the streets of their city. You know, he's seen uh, the roots of evil ripped. He's seen thousands of trees of righteousness planted in one city alone. And these trees are going to grow. God's people are going to serve as lights, as leaders, and as servants to their city and to the region around because the Lord will send these people on his missions to plant new churches too. Paul has influenced tens of thousands of people in the region around Ephesus. He's planted churches. Other people have planted churches. He has seen the power of a clean church, what an anointed church can do. And now he realizes that he's being called to plant this same thing in Rome, the beating heart of the empire. Man, when Rome meets Jesus, 
it will flow to the world they ruled. They, and Ephesus has prepared Paul for an even larger vision. I don't think Paul could have been successful in Rome if he had gone there earlier. I don't think Paul was ready for Rome. But Ephesus helped him to see it, to understand how to do it, and it's equipped him. And one day he will reach Rome. And when he does it, it will change the next 2,000 years of the history of the world. I mean, the acceptance of Christianity wrote the history of Europe. And through Europe, the outlines of the world that we all live in today. One man taking seriously the teachings of Jesus, trying to live them completely out, and being totally sold out to the Great Commission changed the face of Europe. Although, really, he wasn't allowed the same level of freedom and publicity that he had in Ephesus. He's not able to ever repeat the Ephesus experience again. But it's amazing. You know, he's able, with less time and less freedom, most time in Rome he was in jail. But it, it wasn't really a jail. It was a house that he got to be in, and people could come to him there. So, I mean, he's done amazing things. And God could do the same thing through, the, through you. You know, the experiences that you've been going through, God did that. He's doing this to, to prepare you. And if you're succeeding in business or in any other thing, you're learning things. You're learning things God wants to use later. So those are two of the things I want us to look at. One, Paul's willing to walk off. Number two, our ministry changes us. We have to go through certain things to be ready for the next thing. We can't go straight to it. Third thing I want us to look at is that we need to honor the importance of intuition. We need to listen to that little voice when it tells us something. Verse 21 says, When these things were accomplished. Paul's work was done there. And he got an intuition that told him, although it, it was going so well, they were at the peak, everything is just expanding in every direction. And the Lord says, Your part in this is now accomplished. I've got other things for you to do, and I have other people to grow up into your shoes here, and you need to make a space. And Paul's work is done. He's now needed uh, elsewhere. And Paul understands by following his intuition that he needs to change his ministry. That he, At this stage, since God's calling him, he needs to leave well. He doesn't need to be planting new things and expanding and pouring himself. He's got to take a step back from this and say, okay, now I need to do an excellent job at leaving this ministry so that the work remains strong and even grows beyond where it is under me. His strategy was something like this. I need to establish the next generation of leaders. I need to spend my time settling them into their roles, and then I need to spread the strength of this Ephesian experience to the entire region around us. So I've got to stabilize this Ephesian church, which isn't one church. It meets all over the city in small, in small houses. They don't have meeting places for 300 years as Christians. We meet in homes. So anyway, that's so powerful. You can't destroy that. Um, so Paul knows, okay, I need to make sure that throughout this city we've got strong leaders. Then I need to take my best leaders, and we need to spread them out, and I need to send them throughout this region because I need to teach and ordain elders and hand off ministry in the next level churches out in the provinces. And then, strategically, I need to get back to Jerusalem. I need to gather people and money and resources. And I need to get the Jerusalem church on board. And then I'm going to target Rome. And we're going to spread the gospel there. And in verse 22, he follows the pattern set by Jesus. He sends his second level leaders ahead of him 
throughout the province, all around Ephesus, and they do the groundwork, and they appoint the leaders, and they hold meetings with the churches, and they share the news that Paul is leaving. And then Paul comes by at the end not to do administrative work. And I think this is so important that you know he is separating as much as he can. He's separating the uh, administrative work of the ministry from his work as a shepherd. And Paul has a powerful presence. You know, the, the words of a strong person, of someone who has scars, you know, from the work that they've done, one who bears the shepherd's burden, one who has sacrificed for the people for many years. The words of such a person have greater impact than the words of anybody else in the organization. Paul knows his value. He knows how to empower other people. He can deliver fatherly correction. He can deliver comfort. He can deliver encouragement. We'll talk more about that later. But um, he's sending out his second-level guys. They're going to go out and do all the administrative work, and Paul is going to follow and roam throughout the province, and he is just going to minister in the churches, and he is going to put his spiritual endorsement on their leaders. He wants to leave them feeling very encouraged. He knows they're going to be sad that he's moving on, but he wants to give his blessing. He wants to authorize new leaders, and he wants to get things settled and organized well so that there's not a power vacuum, there's not a leadership vacuum when he leads. I think this is just such a great passage of Scripture. Paul's an awesome model to all of us. Um, Paul understood that he did not own the ministry. This was God's church, and he was not the only anointed person in God's church, that he was willing to leave it and go, and he knew that you have to leave things well. Well, that's all for now on this edition of Thread Podcast. If you want to send me an email directly, you can just send it right to my box, chuck at quinley.com. Would you do me a big favor? Go to the iTunes store and in the uh, podcast app, uh, listen to the Thread Podcast there, and give us a comment. You won't believe how powerful this is and how many more people will listen to the show. If you'll give me a rating and a comment, I would so appreciate that. Well, that's all for now. See you next time. Expect God to use you today.